Get ready for an adrenaline-packed weekend. The 67th annual NAIA Men's Wrestling National Championship is coming to Hartman Arena February 29th through March 2nd. Witness the nation's top wrestlers battling for glory. Don't miss out on the action. Mark your calendars February 29th through March 2nd. For more information and tickets, go to HartmanArena.com. Join us at Hartman Arena for the wrestling showdown of the year. Proudly presented by Visit Wichita. Spring training is underway and baseball season is coming. Opening day for the Wichita Wind Surge is April 5th and tickets go on sale February 29th at Riverfront Stadium and online at windsurge.com. Suites, hospitality, and group tickets are on sale now. Call 316-221-8000. Get ready for all the excitement of Wind Surge baseball. A full slate of promotions, fireworks, giveaways, and much more coming to the ballpark. Get ready for baseball April 5th. Visit windsurge.com and listen to every game on ESPN Wichita 92.3. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. We are back on the Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Wichita Sports Leader, I'm your host and producer today, Jack Johnson. Well, let's dive back into some more college hoops, and this time with our good buddy Chance Lebo, we're going to be discussing some K-State hoops as they take on BYU tomorrow. Uh, Chance, first things first, and again, we always appreciate you hopping on the show here. Must win games. Do you love the saying? Do you hate the saying? Or are you indifferent about it? Uh, I would say I'm pretty indifferent about it. I think that I'm not going to go into the coach's cliche of, well, every game's a must-win game. But there are certain games that have a different level of intensity. And I think for K-State right now, I mean, when you look at their schedule, I would say every single home game on their schedule the rest of the way is a must-win game. They have to go unbeaten at home to even sniff the tournament. I would say go unbeaten at home and win at least one or two games in the Big 12 tournament to potentially get on the right side of the bubble. And, I mean, it's about as must-win as it gets. We said it last week about the TCU game, and they didn't didn't really come out with that kind of intensity. But I think that this is uh, a game that it, it's a win-or-go-home game. Uh, Loser-leave-town game, I think, is uh, what some people call it. I mean, I, I don't think that K-State can make the tournament if they lose this game. Well, I look at the last half of their schedule here. Five games left. I think they've got a brutal final three-game stretch in which they have to take on Cincinnati on the road. I know they just got upended by a bad Oklahoma State team there, but we've seen Cincinnati really give teams trouble, not only on their own court, but I would say a couple of times when they have been playing on the road. But it's that game in Lawrence against Kansas. It's hosting Iowa State, who's above Kansas in the standings right now. I would say before the Big 12 tournament, it has to be 4-1 and one or it ain't going to happen. Now, I mm-hmm. know that you know winning out at home, I think that would put them at 3-2 and two in that final five-game stretch. Um, I, I just The reason I would say it's unlikely is that once you get in the Big 12 tournament, you would be at 13 losses. Uh, therefore, mm-hmm. if you don't win at all, there's 14. And I'm not sure that you could look at K-State's resume and take 14 losses at that point. And even if that does mean... You know, beating an Iowa State and a Kansas, so you have two top ten wins, uh, and sweeping Kansas for that matter on your resume. But where do you stand in those final five games? I know you said win out, uh, but to me, that wheelhouse—the goal should be four and one. And because of Kansas's record on Senior Night, Kansas's record against K State in Lawrence, going back to 2006, it hasn't been good for the Wildcats. So if you were four and one. You package in a win against Cincinnati. You've got a win against Iowa State, a top 25 team in BYU, and then you lose at Allen Fieldhouse, which a lot of teams have done over the course of this year. And then it comes down to, man, you win two games in the Big 12 tournament. Now you've got a couple of more ranked wins, and you have 13 losses. I personally believe 
that could slide K-State into the last four-in spot where they have to play in in Dayton, Ohio. But you're exactly right. They don't win against BYU uh, tomorrow. I think it is mailed in at that point. I don't see K-State uh, making the NCAA tournament. But do you think 4-1 and one with two Big 12 tournament wins would, would get them in there? I think that that's kind of the recipe. I think they've got to win at least one road game. I think that if they go 3-2, and two, losing the last two to Iowa State and KU – then you've got to win two games in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, last year you talked about the 14 losses. West Virginia went 19 and 14 in the regular, or sorry, 19 and 14 overall before the tournament last year, and they were a nine seed against Maryland. They only won one game in the Big 12 tournament before losing to KU. Um, they did beat, uh, right. you know, a K State team that was a top 10 team in Morgantown in one of their last games. I feel like that's kind of the recipe that you're looking at. I mean, even in Big 12 play last year, West Virginia wasn't great. Seven and 11 in a 10 team conference, not great. But I feel like that's kind of the recipe that you're looking at. If K-State wins one of the two road games, whether, I mean, if they beat KU in Lawrence, I think that I, I, if KU's, if K-State sweeps KU, I don't think that any K-State fan gives a damn about the regular or the, you know, postseason. I think sweeping yeah. <laughs> KU would kind of be okay for a lot of K-State fans, but it's just, you gotta win one of those road games. They've only won one game on the road in Big 12 play. It was against West Virginia, the worst team in the Big 12. You gotta win one on the road, hoping it's Cincinnati, and then just pray on senior night that you can beat Iowa State, a, a team that is kind of viewed as a rival now after the big, uh, Spygate scandal in Ames a couple weeks ago, which, I mean, you look at K-State's schedule since that, uh, scandal in Ames, uh, the two teams have kind of gone in entirely opposite directions. Is K-State's resume right now good enough? Absolutely not. There's a reason that Lenardi doesn't even have them considered like on the bubble. I mean, they, they've got to win games. They have not won games. They've kind of just been, you know, losses that you can kind of be like, well, that was a good loss. And at some point, this isn't like the SEC in football where a good loss counts for half a win. These is, this is college basketball where you have to prove that you can win games and not only win games, but win them away from your home arena, which in college basketball this year just seems harder and harder than it ever has been. But K State has to find a way to win away from Bramlage Coliseum, whether that's on the road in Cincinnati or in the Big 12 tournament. I think if K State gets to the, you know, semifinals of the Big 12 tournament, I'm not really an expert on what the bracket looks like this year, but they can win three, four games in the Big 12 tournament. I feel like they can, you know, feel confident about themselves because those are Big 12 wins and those are hard to come by. On any given night, much less on a neutral site against some really quality competition back-to-back nights. We're here with Chance Lebo talking some K-State hoops as they gear up to take on BYU in Manhattan tomorrow. Uh, what does need to happen that if we're going to look at that that three and two over the final five or that four and one over the final five, what absolutely has to happen for this K-State squad to do that? I, I think that Cam Carter has to kind of be a lot better than he has been. He's been really poor ever since that Oklahoma State game. He's been playing banged up. And it's not really that he's not shooting the ball well. He's not. I mean, that's uh, obvious. But he's not taking care of the basketball. And this is a K-State team. You've talked about it a lot. Turnovers have been such an issue for this team. When Tyler Perry is their main ball handler and he's never really run point guard at a high level at the college basketball level, that's an issue. They're relying a lot on Day-Day Ames, a freshman that really has struggled this season to run a lot of point. And it's a team that just doesn't take care of the basketball well. And they, they, they just don't shoot it well. They don't take care of it very well. They just, uh, they were talking about it in the Texas game and I was talking to Shane about it earlier in the week. You know, I've never heard an announcer say and be more right about it when he said, K-State just prays that you can get them to overtime. And that's kind of just been the hope. They just hope that they get close enough at the end that they get a, you know, an extra five minutes where like K-State lures you into rock fights. I mean, it is a heavyweight battle every time. I mean, there's a reason why they are able to survive the last five minutes because I don't think teams enjoy playing K-State because they're so physical and it's hard to watch sometimes how physical they are. But man, they, they have to be able to slow down some offenses. I mean, they've got to be able to create their own offense. I feel like this has to be a big five game stretch for the two transfers that they brought in. Arthur Kaluma and Tyler Perry kind of have to show that they're worth their NIL valuation. I mean, what we paid to get them in, you got to show that here in the last stretch. I mean, it's do or die time. There's no better time than right now to prove that you're worth the money that probably K-State handed out. You know, Chance, we talked about this the other day uh, and, and maybe one of the more alarming things for this K-State squad. When I guess I asked you the question, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, how do you characterize it? Is it, is it a failure? Is it you know a lost season because you didn't have Naquan Tommy, you didn't have Quez Glover? But I thought something you said was very interesting about the freshman and that Data Ames really hasn't developed. And Jarrell Colbert, though he's now in the starting five, still very, very raw. And the difference in college basketball is where in the past you'd say, okay, a freshman that's getting some minutes, he'll be really good by his junior year. 
But you just never know now in college hoops. Guys can leave whenever. It's just it doesn't matter if they're playing or they're not playing. The transfer portal's always open. It's always wild. So is it alarming right now to you that the way this roster was assembled, you know, Day-Day Ames, Jarrell Colbert, Dorian Finister, Buddy Rich, those guys, they really haven't developed maybe the way that even Jerome Tang and his staff thought they developed because they've really been so heavily reliant on guys that may not be here next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the biggest issue. And the thing is, usually you rely on non-conference play to get those guys developed. In case they'd opened, I mean, their first three of their first five games were against USC, Providence, and Miami. Those are three or five three really good teams in your first five games. There was never really an opportunity for those guys to come in and develop and get their feet wet a little bit because number one, K State was kind of at a time where they were kind of guessing uh, when they're going to get Naquan Tomlin back. They never really got to that point, but uh, it just it, it just feels like they haven't developed and they're kind of throwing them into the to the Wolves. I mean, they're throwing him into Big 12 play. I mean, Dede Ames got, I think, his first start on the road at Oklahoma State, and it was just a lot of, you know, issues I have is not so much the team or anything like that. It's more so the fact that they just don't seem well-prepared night in and night out. Very different than what we saw last year, and I think that Jerome Tang last year built an on-conference schedule around, okay, we're going to have a entirely new team. We are going to have to use this non-conference play as basically extended practices and scrimmages because we're not going to play anybody worth a darn in non-conference play. It shifted this year because he expected, like many, for K-State to be a lot better than they have been, and they just weren't. And that's a little bit frustrating, I'm sure, for him, for K-State fans. I mean, when you open up the season with USC at, in Las Vegas in a big primetime matchup, you get a top 10 Miami team coming off of a Final Four appearance. I mean, it was just an odd odd off or uh, non-conference schedule that they weren't able to get their young guys to develop like they wanted to. You look at the game tomorrow going up against BYU. Of course, these two teams met, I think, a week and a half ago in Provo. Might have been two weeks. I know it was on a weekend. Uh, but who does that adva- Who does that give the advantage to? Who does that favor in a game where you know BYU wins? They were comfortably ahead for a while, but then K-State made things really interesting. It's a BYU team uh, that – has, I think, for right now, a solidified spot in the NCAA tournament, but you know anything can happen in these final five games. But when you have that quick of a turnaround, now BYU is going to K-State, who does that favor here? That You know, you always say when you just play a team, it's, it's always hard for that quick turnaround. There's only a game or two in between that, and then you have to see this exact same team. Does it favor BYU, who has the blueprint to beat K-State, or does it favor K-State where now you're coming to our house and we feel like the way we finished that game, we're far more equipped now to beat you than maybe we were back in Provo. Yeah, I think that the game being in Manhattan means a lot for K-State, and especially for BYU, a team that I know we talk about how much teams struggle on the road. BYU's not been good on the road against anybody this year, losing it against Utah, Baylor, West or, uh, Oklahoma on the road, and Oklahoma State on Saturday last week, a team that really, you know, they're coming up a level where they played last year. I believe they were in the Mountain West last year, if I'm not mistaken, where they really didn't play in any hostile environments like they're going to see and have been seeing in Big 12 play. It's kind of new to this team. And a team like BYU, they shoot the second most threes in the entire country on a per-game basis, and they're going up on the road to K-State where K-State's going to hound you defensively. They're going to pray to get some turnovers and some runaways. I feel like that favors K-State because they're in their home gym. Hopefully Bramlage is as hostile as it usually is this late in the season with, you know, the environment kind of dictates the tempo of the game. If K-State has a good fan uh, fan base there, then I feel like there's an opportunity for them to really pull away and kind of take advantage of a situation against a BYU team that's kind of looked like deer in headlights on the road this season. Yeah, I think this BYU team, they're very experienced, uh, but I, you're exactly right about the road woes. They, they are a team that uh, definitely likes playing more of the comfort of their home arena. Uh, I, I do think, though, you know, Bramlage has to be that type of environment tomorrow that's really, really hostile because at this point it is gut check time. We've discussed this, uh, that you look at a you know, K-State team like this, they need all that extra power behind them when taking on a team like BYU. I mean, this isn't a, a ESPN or a CBS broadcast. This is the ESPN Plus game. So it, it's, you know, it not the most uh, visible game, I guess I should say. But there's a lot on the line here. I, I think you, you nailed it, you know, uh, hit the nail on the head with uh, this being a win-or-go-home game for K-State. You can't lose this game and then expect to get into the NCAA tournament. One thing BYU does 
exceptionally well is, of course, as you said, run up and down the floor. They score a lot of points. They're averaging north of 83 points per game. That's top 20 in the nation. And they're also top 30 in rebounding. So not a lot of second chances uh, for K-State. But it's also a Wildcat team coming off a very subpar performance offensively against a Texas team. That was a, a rock fight, as you said. So what needs to happen for the offense to get going a little bit here? I know you brought up Cam Carter. Got to be shooting the ball a little bit better. But who do you go through in this game? I mean, Tyler Perry has been almost the go-to scorer over the last three, four, five games. But who is the guy you want to play through here? Because I've always said with K-State, they're not a good three-point shooting team, but they consistently shoot three-pointers. I feel like the recipe should be getting to the line. They thrive there. They're good there. But I don't know if it's one player you can go through. Where do you see this uh, with K-State getting more production offensively tomorrow? It's a great question. This is a Utah team with a lot of length. I mean, everybody they really play is over 6'5 and plays really well outside. And I think that this is an opportunity – like, I don't think you can expect a big game from Tyler Perry here. I think Arthur Kaluma had a good game his last time out against BYU. Kind of got to lean on him and maybe just get some post-ups for him as a three-man, maybe defended by one of the guys that are a little bit smaller. I like, I'm a big proponent of get your bigger guards, guys who have that guard skill set and are going to be defended by guards. Get them post-ups when you get a mismatch. And I feel like that's going to be kind of the guy you have to go through with Arthur Kaluma. Not expecting anything out of Tyler Perry, at least for the first 20 minutes. He might get to the line 15 times in the second half like he usually does, but I just think that this has to be a big game for Arthur Kaluma. Cam Carter has to stop being a net negative and start being, okay, just do do enough to you know not hurt us while you're on the floor because that's kind of what Cam Carter's done this year. He has hurt K-State when he's been on the floor. And just take care of the basketball because they haven't done that all year. And this is an opportunity against a BYU team that struggles on the road for you to go and beat a BYU team that is top 25. They're looking like they're well on their way to the big, or, uh, NCAA tournament. Get a win and just feel the, feel the winning, you know, feel what it's like to win once again for the first time in like two months against a non-rival. Feel what it's like to win a game. Develop those winning habits before March. We're here with Chance Lebo talking some K-State hoops. And now for the final Four to five minutes here. We're going to do rapid fire, uh, picking the Big 12 games tomorrow. The spreads are out on FanDuel, so we're going to start it off with a massive one. That could dictate the top half of the Big 12. Houston will be on the road in Waco against Baylor. This is a number two versus number 11 matchup. Houston is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They sit atop the Big 12 after taking down Iowa State on Big Monday. Chance, who are you rolling with here? I'm going to roll with Houston here. I, I think that they're kind of the better team, obviously. I think they're one of the top three teams in the country, coming off a big win against Iowa State. Baylor, it's a weird turnaround. So Houston had a home game against Iowa State on Monday. On the other hand, Baylor is coming off a road trip to Provo on Tuesday. So it's a little bit of travel lag here for Baylor. They don't have the rest advantage. They also don't have the travel advantage. I'm going to take Houston on the road. I feel like they're the better team. Baylor has not really shot the basketball very well in the last couple of uh, outings in Big 12 play. And I just think Houston is starting to get into that groove that they, you know, we thought they could get into when they were in non-conference play, when we were like, okay, this is number one, number two kind of team in the country, I feel like they're going to be able to pull away from Baylor on the road. Yeah, I would go as far to say if Houston finds a way to win this game against Baylor, they're going to win the Big 12 outright. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at the last half of their schedule, uh, no really tough games until they have to go and play Kansas, and that's at home, too, where Kansas has not been good at all this season. They'll get an unranked Cincinnati, unranked Oklahoma, and unranked UCF, although three of their final five games are on the road though Houston really seems like they've hit their stride after losing to Kansas. They've now won four in a row. Good road win against Cincinnati, and they beat Iowa State last time out on Big Monday. For the chaos of the Big 12, I think it'd be fun to pick Baylor here. <laughs> I really think it would be interesting, and Baylor has played better uh, at home of late. Their last two games at home, they beat Texas Tech, uh, who we saw how good they were when they beat Kansas by 30. Uh, they beat Oklahoma pretty soundly last time out. Uh, but they're also coming off that loss to BYU on the road. They did beat West Virginia, but it seems like everybody in the Big 12 has had no trouble with the Mountaineers except for Kansas. I, uh, man, I would like to say Baylor can win this game. I, I really can. It feels like a toss-up to me, an absolute toss-up. I think gone is that Baylor team that lost three in a row when it was the K-State, Texas, and TCU. And then they followed that, that up with winning back-to-back -back home ranked uh, against home uh, ranked teams at home. Excuse me, Iowa State and Texas Tech. 
And then they also beat Oklahoma when they were top 25. I might side with the Bears here. I think things are going to get interesting down the stretch. Baylor uh, certainly trying to propel themselves into that two-seed range. It's early enough. Houston could come out a little bit flat. Give me the Bears here uh, at home against Houston for a little bit of an upset. Now we go to K-State and BYU. This game will tip off at 1 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Right now, BYU a two-and-a-half-point favorite chance. Who are you going with? Well, my favorite bet in basketball is K-State first-half unders. I'm not going to go there, um, but it's hitting seven straight games, and most of them haven't even been close. Shane and I have kind of have our inside joke with that. It is a lot of fun watching K-State just throw rocks at the other team and end up the first half like 24-20 to 20 when the first half total is 67.5. But uh, I'm going to take K-State at home, homer pick, what have you, but Jerome Tang, He's a big game coach, and he's got to he's going to get his guys hyped up. That this is a big game, a must win game. I feel like Jerome Tang is a really good coach when their backs against the wall, when nobody believes in them. I feel like this is the spot for K State to pull away with a big win. Yeah, it's put up or shut up time for Jerome Tang's squad. Uh, you lose this game, it's it's not going to happen. The NCAA tournament is not going to happen. That would be back to back home losses uh, against Oklahoma, or not, excuse me, not Oklahoma, TCU and BYU. I do want to side with K-State here. I think this is one of those games where they're playing a team that doesn't really fare that well on the road. I would have actually put K-State as a one-and-a-half-point favorite here. I just don't trust BYU that much away from Provo. Feels like you're going to get the better version of K-State here as you brought it up. I mean, it's do-or-die time. We've said that a lot over the last few weeks, but I think that was more so of making themselves comfortably in the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure they're going to be in a spot on Selection Sunday where it's comfortable, but this is the first step in getting you at least in that conversation because you lose this game, you're not even going to be on the bubble uh, by uh, Selection Sunday. Next game we got here is Cincinnati and TCU. The Horn Frogs, a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Who you got? I think TCU at home. I mean, I might just go with every home team outside of Houston, but uh, I think TCU at home, they got a big win last week at K-State, and I just feel like this is a spot for them. I'm not a big believer in Cincinnati, but I think that TCU comes away with the win at home here. It's a tough spot to be in. I think TCU comes away with the win. And I'm also going to go with uh, TCU here. I think this is a really underrated squad. They're quick. I love the way they play. Jameer Nelson Jr. is a stud. They're, they're slowly coming to their own. I think they it feels be- like a team that could sneakily be an elite eight team that yes. you just you know you look up in March and you're like, oh wow, that team like really went on a big run. That feels like TCU right now. Uh, this is a five or six seed that I think could get into that second weekend. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bedlam happening in Stillwater. Two and a half point favorite are the Sooners against the Cowboys. Who you got here? Oh, do I have to? I don't even know if I want to watch this yeah, game. I'm... I'll take, <laughs> I'll take Oklahoma State here just because they feel like they always win games they're not supposed to, both in football and basketball. So I'm going to take the Pokes here in this one. I'm not that high on Oklahoma. I think they're really banged up, and Oklahoma State's been playing a little bit better of late under Mike Boynton. I think I'm going to take them plus two and a half here. Just don't like the Sooners playing on the road here. They seem like they're heading in the wrong direction with Porter Moser this season. Uh, They do not have right now on FanDuel, at least that I can see, the KU and Texas spread. So what we're going to do is just create our own spread. They are the last game uh, that I can see here on FanDuel to tip off. I didn't actually find the one for Texas Tech and UCF, but we'll just skip that actually. And Iowa State and West Virginia not seeing one, at least on my phone, unless you got them, Chance. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, those are two games right now I can't see. Iowa State should win comfortably. Texas Tech and UCF could be very, very interesting. I just don't know, have any idea what that spread would be. For Kansas, let's put it at 6.5 in favor of KU. Who are you going with here? I'll lay it with KU just because they're at home. They're coming off a week's rest. They didn't play this week uh, in the midweek, so I feel like they get some uh, rest and come away with a big win at home. Yeah, they looked much better against Oklahoma, and they will be at home where they've played very well. Texas, I just... I don't have any high hopes for whatsoever. I couldn't believe they were an eight seed right now in Joe Lunardi's bracketology. Uh, this is the team that is so wishy-washy. They haven't had any consistency in Big 12 play, play, by the way. Only time they were mildly impressive is when they won back-to-back games against Baylor and Oklahoma. Since then, you just don't really know what you're going to get. They lost to BYU Houston back-to-back, then they beat TCU in Fort Worth. They lose to Iowa State, beat West Virginia, lose to Houston, beat Kansas State. I would say by, by this logic... They're due for a loss, and I'm not sure that Texas actually gets in here. They have to go to Lawrence, of course, tomorrow, to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech, to Waco to take on Baylor, and they'll also get Oklahoma and Oklahoma State sandwiched in between. 
I don't think they're going to get in with, with 13 losses or something like that. So something to watch uh, with the Texas Longhorns here. Yeah, I'll take Kansas here. I'm not sold. Kevin McCullers playing. I just don't think they, they really need him in a game like this. This Texas team isn't as elite offensively as in years past, and I am not high whatsoever on Rodney Terry as a coach. Well, Chance, thanks so much for your time. As always, appreciate your insight on K-State hoops and Big 12 hoops for that matter, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, thanks, Jack. There he goes. That's our guy Chance Lebo back at the ESPN Wichita studio as I am up here at the 810 studio in Kansas City. Uh, he does great work here, and anytime Shane's not in, he'll be joining me for some type of segment here on the Shane Dennis Show. All right, we're going to take our first break of hour number two. When we come back, a little bit more NFL talk. I'm going to tell you how teams absolutely need to start building their roster. Some already are. I'm not going to say it's it's an anomaly out here, but there are a lot of teams that I feel like are building rosters the wrong way. That's next on the Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. The Shane Dennis Show will be right back on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability, they value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Hi, this is Brian Davis with Davis Liquor Outlet. And this is Blake Davis with a great deal on Most Wanted Vodka, 1.75 liters, just $18.99. And if you're looking for a great wine, Joel Gott 815 Cab, 750 ml, only $13.99. Davis Liquor Outlet. Each store independently owned and operated. Neighborhood locations with superstore pricing. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. On that heavy shelf you hung yesterday. Turns out, you didn't use enough anchors. Wait, you didn't use any anchors? <laughs> now you've got an open floor plan. Trendy. And if you have the wrong home insurance, you could need a wall of money to fix this. So get home insurance with Allstate and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Beware of the fog. You're a swish from the right wing. The Kansas Jayhawks hit the hardwood every game right here. What ball movement. They share it and they throw it down. There's nothing like Kansas basketball. A big time thundering slam. Be a part of the journey all season long on your home for Kansas Jayhawk basketball. Saturday, the Jayhawks are home to entertain the Texas Longhorns. Coverage begins at 5 on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. We roll on on the Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, Wichita's sports leader. I am your host and producer today, Jack Johnson. Real quick, before we dive into some more NFL talk, I actually forgot to do the Twitter question today. So, uh, bad on my part, I forgot to carve out some time, and then we got carried away with college hoops talk. Uh, but the Twitter question is brought to you by Wichita Furniture and Mattress, number one furniture store in Wichita, with more choices, more name brands, more selections, and style all in one store. They have something for every budget and every room in the house, recliners, couches, home audio, and theater systems. For more, go see why Wichita Furniture and Mattress is Wichita's number one furniture store. The Twitter question of the day was, who do you got? Tommy Townsend, uh, Louis Aguirre, Dustin Colquitt, Gerald Wilson. Uh, a resounding number of voters said 57% uh, for Dustin Colquitt. 26% who said Tommy Townsend uh, may not be uh, the the Chiefs' punter next year. Of course, Matt Ariza was signed to a very cheap deal. Uh, so that could also mean Tommy Townsend's too expensive. At this point, I believe Drew Rosenhaus uh, is his agent, so that never is a good sign for teams negotiating because he's always going to get top dollar. So Wilson... 
He's got 11% here, and good old Louie, uh, just 6% of the voting here. But Dustin Colquitt, an absolute runaway. 57% of the votes of who you got as a punter. Uh, Tommy Townsend, still far behind him. 31 points behind him in the standings. Uh, 54 votes in so far, but still seven hours and four minutes left. So go to ESPN Wichita and answer the Twitter question, which again is brought to you by Wichita Furniture and Mattress. I think there is this common misperception in the NFL, and I think it's what leads to a lot of teams' struggles. I'm not saying that if I was a general manager, I would be perfect. If I was in a front office, I would be perfect. I'd have all the answers. I'm not saying any of that. Uh, Because the reality is, even the best ones will make bad decisions. Even the best ones will figure out a way to screw something up. I think we all are fully aware that this league is based off quarterback play. You can build a great defense. You can have a great coach. You cannot be a Super Bowl contender without a Tier 1 or Tier 2 quarterback. And the reason I have to factor in Tier 2 quarterback is because, you know, Brock Purdy and Jared Goff were in the NFC Championship game. I do not consider them the elite of the elite, but they're also in that Tier 2 range. It always amazes me that when a front office is building a roster, when they are building a team and they are trying to fix the holes or remember for years in the AFC West or at least a couple years into the Patrick Mahomes era every single AFC West team had a different way to approach beating the Chiefs you know the Chargers tried to load up offensively we're going to go toe-to-toe we're going to try to outscore them because the reality is you can't build a defense to stop Patrick Mahomes then the Broncos took on this approach of we're going to build a defense that he's not comfortable facing. And we feel like when we play him, uh, we hold him to, at most, you know, 24 points. And if we can just get a good enough quarterback, uh, we can beat Patrick Mahomes with that good of a defense. And the Raiders uh, tried to do a little bit of the same thing last year. Now, they succeeded. It also took two defensive touchdowns uh, to beat the Chiefs on Christmas Day at Arrowhead Stadium. But this is not about the AFC West. This is about the NFL as a whole. And I think how this offseason is going to be approached by a lot of teams. And a lot of them are going to approach it the wrong way. Uh, There are too many teams in the NFL that believe building the pieces around the quarterback is what is going to make you a Super Bowl contender. And I almost think Brock Purdy getting to an NFC Championship game gives too much hope to a lot of teams out there that are never going to reach a Super Bowl. This is a quarterback league. There is a reason the Chiefs won back-to-back Super Bowls. You can factor in Andy Reid. Uh, You can talk about the offense they had last year. You can talk about the defense they had this year. That's all fine and dandy, and those groups deserve their flowers. But this league is won by quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are what drives the ratings. They are what makes this league grow. When you break down a team, the first thing you go to is quarterback. It's a natural thing in our brain. When you look at an opponent on paper, you go, who's their quarterback? Okay, I either feel good or bad about this game. And I especially go to the AFC side, and why I think a lot of AFC teams are going to screw this up. The AFC, unlike the NFC, was loaded with quarterback play. Absolutely loaded. No way around it. I mean, the playoffs was a gauntlet. The only team that didn't have a quarterback, really, was Pittsburgh. And they are a perfect example of what I'm going to bring up. I really like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do. More often than not, I take them to pull off an upset at home. I know that's kind of a specific example, but, you know, we've run the spread here numerous times. We run the spread a lot. And Pittsburgh was one of my sneaky picks of, oh, yeah, you have to go into Pittsburgh. You have to beat that defense. You have to beat Mike Tomlin. That's fine. Regular season, have whatever quarterback you want, to be honest with you. That's that's where I'm at. You can win 10 games with an average quarterback or with three or four different quarterbacks. But on the AFC side, I forgot actually to add in one team there, Cleveland. Cleveland was a team that had one of the best defenses in the NFL. Do you think it's any coincidence that Cleveland 
and Pittsburgh got trounced in the first round, the wild card round by a team with a good quarterback. It's what drives the league. C.J. Stroud has now entered that Tier 2 level. There are still other pieces to go. You got to, you know, build you know, through that quarterback now. You know, I, I said build around a quarterback early. What I should have said is you're starting from the outside. Like, I always believe it's like building a house uh, when you're trying to reconstruct a team. New England is going to have to reconstruct. I'm not going to say Carolina has because they've got Bryce Young. However, their process was correct. And there's still years to go. Bryce Young could be a good quarterback. It's like building a house. You don't start by just, you know, building the outside part of it. You got to build the foundation first. You got to get your core piece, what will put everything in place. The quarterback is that. That's why I've always thought it's funny when teams are drafting and it's it's going after skill position players. They're going after a lineman. Uh, they're going after a running back. They're going after a defense. And I'm all for drafting the best guy available. But if teams want to get serious about contending, which is why I think Houston is like the model right now for teams that are rebuilding this year, you got to get your quarterback first. It does not matter who your left tackle is if you do not have a quarterback. And now, of course, I could hear the rebuttal of, well, what happens if you've got a great quarterback and no left tackle? I, I get it. I get it. There's going to be issues. But by far and away, the most important thing an NFL needs now, an NFL team needs now, is a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. Easier said than done, of course. But I'm amazed by how many teams in this league try to get by with mediocre quarterback play. Quarterback play that is not going to win them a Super Bowl. I understand it is really hard to find the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Josh Allen, the next Joe Burrow, the next Lamar Jackson. Teams are going to try. They're going to try. However, there's so many teams that are not. They are going to think what San Francisco did is a model. Hey, Brock Purdy was a was Mr. Irrelevant. He's not an uber-talented quarterback, but Kyle Shanahan made it work. They are the anomaly, in my opinion. They really are. Detroit, a little bit of an anomaly itself, but I also think Jared Goff deserves his flowers. He's been to a Super Bowl. He was a great young quarterback. He was a 1-1 pick. Like You could definitely make the argument that was a franchise quarterback, and still is for the Detroit Lions. But looking at this draft, and the reason I wanted to discuss this today is I'm amazed by how many teams are just going to pass on a quarterback. They aren't going to make the play for a quarterback. They're not going to trade up for a quarterback. This is a good quarterback class. I like Caleb Williams. I like Drake May. Um, I do like a little bit lower than number three overall for New England and Jaden Daniels. Now, I'm not a fan of J.J. McCarthy. I like Michael Penix. I just don't know about how his health is going to translate at the NFL level. But I'm amazed that teams don't try everything to trade up and go get their quarterback. You know, Houston being able to snag the the defensive rookie of the year and Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud in one draft class, like, that's unbelievable. In my opinion, that was one of the best draft moves I had seen in the last decade. You know, going back to, you know, biased opinion here, but the Chiefs trading up for Patrick Mahomes. But that's kind of the point here. Even when you think you're okay, you're getting by, you got to know what it takes to win a Super Bowl. And, and Kansas City identified that. They knew Alex Smith was a good quarterback. They knew Alex Smith was going to win them a lot of football games. He was going to win them a lot of division titles. He was not going to take them to a Super Bowl. He wasn't. And San Francisco also realized that with Alex Smith, and they decided to go with Colin Kaepernick. Now, other things happened, and that didn't last as long as maybe people thought it would. But in the NFL, I'm amazed more teams don't do that. Start trying to find their franchise quarterback. Hell, Green Bay kind of did. And you know I'm not super high on Green Bay, or I was in the regular season, but they identified that Jordan Love could be their next guy, even though Aaron Rodgers was still their quarterback. They knew a day was coming which Rodgers wasn't going to be there anymore. There's so many teams in this league that have mediocre quarterback play and are going to stay with it because they're too scared to fail, to bottom out. They're scared that if they trade away a Kirk Cousins, a Dak Prescott, 
and you know that I am I'm high on the Dallas Cowboys. I am high on Dak Prescott, but he's also got uh, pretty much of a giant sample size that he has not been able to get this team to the Super Bowl. That is factual. And at the end of the day, do regular season wins matter if you lose in the first or second round of the playoffs? I don't think it really does, not when you're dealing with that for years on end. I mean, it was no shock to me whatsoever. The division winners in the AFC all had Tier 1 and Tier 2 quarterbacks. And C.J. Stroud is right on the cusp of Tier 1, in my opinion. Lamar, Allen, Mahomes, C.J. Stroud, all division winners. And then you have the 5, 6, and 7 seed. Joe Flacco, Tua Tungaviola, Mason Rudolph. All of those teams got embarrassed in the wild card weekend. Absolutely embarrassed. And then you go a little bit further down the list. Cincinnati, I'll throw them out. Joe Burrow got hurt. Jacksonville. You know, I think Jacksonville at some point in time, probably after this year, will have a decision to make. Is Trevor Lawrence really the franchise quarterback that you thought he was? If he's not, it's time to make some moves. You know, Indianapolis, uh, they're very fresh into the era of Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson deserves a little bit more time, but it was a good move to go after a quarterback in that position. The Raiders, we talked about the Raiders a little bit the other day. The Raiders have Aiden O'Connell. You run it back with Aiden O'Connell, don't talk to me about your defense. Don't talk to me about your offensive weapons. I don't want to hear it. You're not going to go far in the playoffs with a mediocre to below average quarterback. No, Denver. Probably not going to be Russell Wilson, but what's your move? If it's not going to be Russell Wilson, you need to find a way to trade up and get yourself a franchise quarterback. Not sit back and wait for J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix. You need to get, go get one of those top three if you can. There's nobody out there in free agency that is a franchise quarterback. They're in a tough spot. The Jets have Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what Rodgers are going to look like, look like coming off an Achilles injury. Then you go to Tennessee. Will Levis is young, new into his career. I'm not sold he's a franchise quarterback. Chargers have Herbert. They've got the quarterback. They've done it right. They just can't stay healthy and can't build around him. And New England has nothing. You know, on the NFC side, that's where it gets a lot, a lot more difficult to make this argument, but I still can try to make it. You know, the division winners this year, Purdy, Prescott, Goff, Mayfield. Wild card teams, Hurts, Stafford, Love. In fact, there was more quarterback talent in the wild card, wild card region here than the division winners. But I look at some of these Tier 1 and Tier 2 quarterbacks, I'm not even sold there was a Tier 1 in the NFC side. It was a bunch of Tier 2 and Tier 3 guys. But when it was all said and done, who was the one hoisting the Lombardi Trophy? The Tier 1 quarterback. It sounds simple. It's really not. But I also don't understand teams that just sit by. Sit by and don't try to make that big move and why it's now taken so long. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has won now back-to-back Super Bowls in three and five years and two MVPs. That is, you know, the the one-off here. He's the most decorated quarterback of this era. But I look at teams like Seattle, New Orleans, Minnesota, Atlanta. Um, I look at somebody on the AFC side, like a Cleveland, like a Pittsburgh, uh, like a Jacksonville, and I, or a Denver, a Raiders, and go, What's the plan? Do you honestly believe you can get to a Super Bowl and win it without a Tier 1 quarterback? It's harder now than ever to win with a Tier 2 or Tier 3 quarterback. Because when the cards are down, when it's at its toughest point of the game, you have to put the ball in the hands of somebody that's special, that can take you to the next level. A lot of these teams are too afraid to bottom out. They want to keep the guy who will keep winning them – 10, 11, 12 games, and if they don't make it far, hey, at least we were competitive, we won a lot of games, and gave ourselves a chance. Because they'll try to you know, have that saying, which is a true saying, you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. But we've also seen a little bit more of a, of a repeat now. Tier 1 quarterbacks find a way to win. Matt Stafford, I believe, is a Tier 2, but also deserves his respect from time to time, time of being a Tier 1. But the last couple Super Bowls, right? Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, a little bit of a trend here. Teams that are trying to rebuild have to get the quarterback first, then go get the help for him. It may not always work out smoothly or perfectly, 
But I'm amazed at these teams that just refuse to go out there and try to upgrade at the quarterback position. 10 or 11 wins and first-round exits don't really matter at the end of it. All right, we're a little bit late here, so we need to take our final break, come back, and wrap it up with some I'm Old, Jax Young. That's next on The Shane Dennis Show. The Shane Dennis Show will be right back on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Ad paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention Marines, military personnel, families, and contractors who were stationed at Camp Lejeune. Were you present at Camp Lejeune between August 1953 and December of 1987? You may be entitled to significant compensation. For nearly 34 years, those in the Marine Corps' base Camp Lejeune were exposed to contaminated drinking water, resulting in devastating injuries, including several forms of cancer, adverse birth outcomes, Parkinson's disease, and more. North Carolina's procedural laws have prevented victims from getting the justice they deserve. But passage of the Camp Lejeune Justice Act of 2022 would allow you or a loved one to file lawsuits seeking compensation for illnesses and injuries linked to the toxic water. Call today for your free consultation. 800-593-6027. Let our experienced attorneys fight to get you the compensation you deserve. And you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. Call 800-593-6027. That's 800-593-6027. Again, 800-593-6027. I've always gotten tons of UTIs. Cranberry products never worked for me, and I was desperate for a way to be proactive. I'm Jenna Ryan, CEO and founder of Eucora. We've worked with doctors to develop effective urinary tract health products. Eucora is helping over 100,000 women stay healthy. Ready to join them? Get 30% off at eucora.com slash radio. That's U-Q-O-R-A dot com slash radio. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. X-Cash Blitz family of instant tickets from the Kansas Lottery can multiply your winnings up to $300,000, which begs the question, what will you do with all that cash? Tim, are you here? I'm in the cash fort. You built a fort out of money? Well, I might as well put our X-Cash Blitz winnings to good use. Hey, Dan. Oh, hi, Sarah. How many people are in the cash fort? It's a small get-together. I forgot to invite you. We're roommates. Play X-Cash Blitz and bring on the cash. See kslottery.com for details. Entrepreneurs Wanted. With over 25 years as a commercial real estate leader in Wichita, Occidental Management is proud to support entrepreneurs and startups in the markets we live and work. Baker's House is Wichita's only place to find hand-rolled New York-style bagels. Occidental Management helped us find a great location at Tyler Point. They are providing marketing support, and that's something value-added that we couldn't have gotten anywhere else. To learn more, visit OCCMGMT.com or call 316-262-3331. Well, we're actually uh, pretty much out of time here and, and not going to do I'm Old Jack Young. It's not really the same uh, unless Shane is back there in the studio uh, giving me some of the the memorable dates and the death days and the events uh, with you know lots of extra jokes involved there or things that we can always go on the fly with. But since we've only got about two minutes here left, I don't think it's really a need to have a, uh, a song guest by somebody back in the studio and then only get to about uh, two or three people. But not to worry, we'll just preview what is going to be coming up uh, later on tonight as well as later on this weekend. Now, assuming I can get the schedule pulled up in a timely manner here and, and don't leave anybody hanging later on tonight, you will be treated to another edition of Overtime as we're going to grab some of our best segments from the day. I'm sure Pat Strothman has a bunch going on. Well, Pat's actually here, though. We're out of time. But, uh, Pat, I guess if you just want to, you know, shoot the the bleep here, we can for the final uh, two <laughs> minutes here before I have to start playing the music. 
Um, I guess you can just give a preview of what you're going to be talking about because there's no need to go through dead days or anything no, like that. No, 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 no. Born on this day in 1995, Andrew Wiggins. Ah, uh, Maple Jordan, former Kansas Jayhawk. <laughs> I'll never forget the day when he when he officially committed. That was a very special day. Born on this day in 1975, Pat Barnes. Uh, wasn't Pat Barnes, um, man, this sounds familiar, but I, I don't think it is. Uh, I don't know, uh, baseball? Former Chiefs quarterback, supposedly. Oh, okay. Born on this day in 1967, Steve Stricker. Steve Stricker. Uh, football. Golfer. Yikes. Born on this day in 1951, Ed Tall jones Ah, football there. You got that one right. Job well done. Born on this day in 1943, Fred Uh, That's the Bolitnikoff Award. Um, you got so it. So going to be football. Yep, wide receiver. You got it. Born on this day in 1937, Tom Osborne. Is that the same Tom Osborne? That can't be right. Uh, Born on this day in 1929, Elston Howard. Elston Howard was a Yankee, I believe. He was a Yankee. 12-time All-Star. He was pretty good. That game, that guy's name's Doofus? That's kind of funny. <laughs> I got a question for you, too, because you probably oh, missed boy. the song we played. Would you have gotten Bulletproof by LaRue? I don't think I would have recognized the, the singer. I you would have recognized, recognized the, the song, song though. Yeah. Okay, I, I was curious. I was like, uh, I bet you would have heard of it, but I don't think yeah. this person ever, I don't think this woman ever came out with another song. Yeah, Dead Days, nothing, nothing, nothing great. So, I mean, at least I got the, the big ones there for the birthdays. So. It's good enough. It was on the fly. Out, yeah, I mean, the fact I was able to squeeze on in in a span of one minute, I think I'll I'll take the W there. I was talking it down to him like we're not going to do it with two minutes. There's there's no there's nobody we can fit in here. There's no music. Nah, and you're like nah, I'm here. No. I was like, might as well, might as well. Let's at least that way. I don't have to change up the tweet uh, the tweet later on. I already have it all lined up. I don't need to change it now. That's perfect. So it, it definitely counts. We did. I'm old Jack Young, even if it was for about two to three minutes. Well, that is going to do it for another edition of the Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Wichita's sports leader. I've been your host and producer today, Jack Johnson. You missed any of our show? Just check it out on the podcast page a little bit later on today. Don't turn that dial. The Pulse with Pat Strothman coming up from 2 to 4, so keep it locked in to ESPN Wichita. You all have a great weekend. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.